approach any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you... Investor's Edge with Gary Kulbaum. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here is your host, Gary Kulbaum. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay, who's out today. Today is Friday, August 23rd, 2019. We have a great show for you today, an action-packed show. I will go over today's events, let you know what's going on, what's happening on Wall Street, what's happening on Main Street, and what's happening all over the world, because today was definitely a busy day, and there's a lot to cover. Um, as a quick note before we dive into the show, as you know, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. Just a quick reminder for housekeeping purposes, because we do get a lot of questions. If you don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com, or you can listen live or archive. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also, at GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can email Gary, subscribe to his morning notes, get them sent directly to your inbox, or you can sign up to ConvictionLeaders.com. Let me put end or <laughs> and take a 30-day free trial and actually join. I read it, and it's a fantastic report. Gary puts out a weekly report, intro week update Wednesday night, and then other intro week updates based on market action. And uh, does a great job of just giving you actionable ideas, breaks down what's happening, filters out the noise, and keeps you one step ahead of the uh, the pack, so to speak. The um, that's That's the overview. That's the housekeeping. Now, let's talk about the show. Market action. Well, a lot can change in a day. On Wall Street, a lot can change in a few hours. So yesterday's show, the major indices were all perched right below – Resistance, which I noted was a 50-day moving average. And I said one or two good days or just one day above that blast off on volume could be a very, very bullish sign and could lead the way to new higher prices. I also noted that support was August lows and then the 200-day moving average. I said until – you know, if we break down below support, odds favor we're going lower. Then you go back and test the lows from earlier this year. And until either one of those two levels are breached, you know, we're going to ex- have to expect by definition the sideways sloppy action to continue. So that was yesterday. Today, wake up in the morning, get to work, look at the computer, everything is good. All of a sudden, around 8 a.m. Eastern, the markets tank. And there's no real headline at first. And then all of a sudden, news breaks that China retaliated and announced tariffs on a lot of U.S. goods, retaliatory tariffs, how they would have it. And, you know, the, the equity market or the stock market just sold off hard on the news. And then oil prices fell. Uh, other markets, you know, gold went up on that fear trade or the safe haven trade and yields as well, bonds. And just markets just – it was a big, you know, punch in the uh, – or a big slap in the market's face, so to speak. And just things just – started moving. So after that initial jar- drop, the market rebounded a little bit, and then a few hours later, the market opened at 9.30. That was around 8 a.m. Eastern. Around 9.30, the market opens. Well, actually, at 9.30, the market opens. And then about an hour later, around 10.30, 11, all of a sudden, we get a uh, another big leg down. This time, it's Trump responding to what was happening. Jay Powell was the big headline today, going into today. Then, of course, that changed, and that was overshadowed by the ongoing Trump-China trade War, for lack of a better word, and for all intents and purposes, to give you the high-level thinking here, is the war, the trade war tensions continue to escalate. Today was a another day in further escalations. Trump, I'll get to his tweets and I'll get to China and I'll get to everything else that happened today shortly. But I just want to begin the show by putting the most important thing front and center, and that's how the market reacts to the news. Before I go into the news and break it down for you and let you know what happened and this that, and the other thing, I always like to just step back and say, okay, what happened today? More importantly, what happened this week, because today's Friday, and it's very close to end of month, but at the end of the month, I always like to step back and look at what happened this month, because a lot of people get caught up in the weeds, the intraday action. What happened every, you know, I call it tickositis, where you stare at every tick. It's really important, ladies and gentlemen, step back and look at the bigger picture, because this way you can see the forest. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't want to get lost in the weeds, so to speak, or you look at the trees and you miss the forest. With trading, 
you look at the leaves on the trees most of the time. You don't even look at the trees, let alone the forest. So for me, one of my big things is always to step back calmly after markets closed and take a look at multiple time frames. Look at the annual chart, look at the quarterly chart, the monthly chart, the weekly chart, and the daily. And if you want to go deeper and look at intraday, that's fine. But for the looking at the forest and not the trees or the leaves on the trees, it's really important to step back and look at those longer-term time frames because most people don't spend any time on those. Most of the time, they're on the daily or intraday. If some people do look at weeklies, it's sporadic. But very few spend time focusing on those longer-term time frames. And that's where the real money is made. The big moves happen over the course of months, quarters, and years. So that's why I look at those time frames. It's that simple. So stepping back again, the major indices today was a big down day on Wall Street. I'll get into all of what happened shortly, but for all intents and purposes, the support still the same as we said yesterday. Nothing's changed as far as the levels of support to watch. Look at August lows. Look at the 200-day moving average. Go back and look at the uh, early June, end of May lows, depending on the index you want to look at, as the next levels of support. If those lows are taken out over the next few days, which is very possible, then this is going to be a little rally or wedge into the, decline, the 50-day moving average and a sell-off. And then if those lows are taken out, then we're going to see lower prices follow. And of course, a more defensive stand, a much more defensive stand will be warranted. For now, suffice it to say, the action is not ideal. A somewhat defensive stance should be considered in the very near future. If not, uh, everybody's different, so you can use whatever time frame you want. But clearly, something is not well. The market's not acting well. Let's put it that way. And there's lots of reasons why. You know, we talked about the financials, the transports. Gary's gone in depth for you and told you exactly what to look at, what to avoid, what to pay attention to. And as things break down for you, he keeps his finger on the pulse and he tells you what's happening. This way, you never caught off guard. Or you're behind the eight ball, not sure what happened. Oh, could have, would have, should this happened, that happened. I'm not too sure, dot, dot, dot. No, 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 just take a step back. Take a breath. Right now, we have the market 5, 6, maybe 7% now below an all-time high. Short term, watch support, August lows, and then the 200-day, and then watch resistance, which is the 50-day. Now, a few headlines to cover. Now, that, by the way, that applies for all of the major indices, for the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P. That's what I mean by the major indices. The smaller caps and the mid-caps, the Russell and the MDY, or the, you know, the mid-cap indexes, those are underperforming on a relative basis because those are just not acting as well as the bigger cap indices. So keep that in mind as you go. It's per, it depends on what you're looking at. So when I say market, I mean the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, but I also include the smaller and the mid-caps because they're part of the market, the Russell 2000 stocks. So And the mid-cap, again, it's, it's a big portion of the market. So I like to look at a holistic picture because it tells me what's going on. And the Russell primarily derives its income from the U.S., and that's underperforming. So if everyone's telling us, hey, the overseas markets are in trouble, international's bad, Germany's contracting, you know, international, 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 well, that's fine and dandy. Well, why is a Russell underperforming on a relative basis? Why is that index below its 200-day moving average? Those are some of the questions I always ask because the market's always speaking. And it's our job to pay attention and listen. So from my standpoint, something, especially with volume picking up on down days, oh, by the way, over the last six, seven, eight months, it's not just the last two weeks or three weeks, and volume contracting on up days, it's not the best sign. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, bear market, tell everything. No, not yet. But I am noting that we are 6 7%. This is still normal pullback territory. It is ugly. And over the last several years, every time it gets ugly, quote unquote, the bullish pixie dust shows up, as Gary likes to say, and boom, we're off to the races again. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It doesn't mean you should hold during if support breaks and all that. Kind of, you do whatever you want. All I'm saying is that here are the levels I'm watching, the 200-day August lows on support, and we've got resistance, the 50-day, and then, of course, the, the 2019 highs. Until those levels are breached, I have to expect a sloppy sideways action to continue. We've got a lot of news to get through throughout the rest of the show. I'll get to everything, but I just want to begin by putting things in perspective. Take a breath. We have the whole weekend. I like to look at markets and do all of my homework, so to speak, when markets are closed. Because that's when I get the best clarity. I don't get caught up in all the noise. Tick, 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 tick up. I feel good. Tick, tick, tick down. I feel bad. And then up and down the emotional roller coaster. Up next, I'm going to dive into the headlines, give you a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. 
time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Hey, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Caldbaum. It doesn't get better than this. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay. In case you missed any part of the show, you can go to GaryK.com and listen live or archive. You can pause it, rewind it, fast forward, because I do go fast and I cover a lot of ground. There's just a lot to talk about, so I wanted to just be respectful of everybody's time. And if you want to pause or rewind or go back and re-listen to anything, feel free to do so. So we spoke about the beginning of the show. The important levels to watch are support, which is August lows, and then the 200-day moving average on the downside, and the upside of the 50-day moving average. Until we break above the 50 or below the 200, we have to expect a sloppy sideways action to continue. Under the surface, we're seeing some damage. We're seeing some weakness show up. We've seen this before. When that happens, boom, the bullish pixie dust shows up, as Gary likes to say. So it might it's not always going to show up. Eventually, we'll get another bear market. Eventually, the markets will go lower. I just don't want to be in a situation where I uh, <laughs> tend to – I don't want to be caught off you know, moving, zigging when I should be zagging. Let's put it that way. So on to today's news. Well, it was a tweet storm by uh, President Donald Trump. We had a lot of action this morning. I said the market opened – well, before the market opened, 8 a.m. Eastern, the China came out with some headlines, put some tariffs on the U.S., stocks sold off hard. So did other markets and a few other ones. Then all of a sudden, about an hour and a half later, you had the market open. Market trended higher for a little bit after the open for another hour or so. Jay Powell, the head of the Fed, came out today along with a few other Fed heads in Jackson Hole. They have their annual symposium, other central bankers as well. And he basically didn't go out there and say that we're going to cut rates or be super bearish or – sorry, super dovish. I keep saying bearish. Super dovish or anything that would allude to the fact that guaranteeing a rate cut in September. So in, instead, he was just more optimistic and not, I guess more realistic and said, hey, we'll see what happens and we'll make a decision when September comes. Now, uh, Trump didn't like that. So he came out and he had several tweets that shook the markets, for lack of a better word. And there was a big sell-off. And the Dow dropped a few hundred points. So you're in a situation now where what happened, I mean, you can go on and read the news and, and get the details. But just to put it from high-level stuff, he basically said he doesn't need China. He ordered, quote-unquote, U.S. companies to stop doing business in China. And his tweet with the Fed, he said, as usual, the Fed did nothing. Quote, I'm reading his tweet now. It's incredible that we can speak, quote unquote, without knowing or asking what I am doing. Excuse me. It's incredible that they can speak, implying that the Fed can speak, without knowing or asking what I am doing, which will be announced shortly. We have a very strong dollar and a very weak Fed. I will work, quote unquote, brilliantly with both, and the U.S. will do great, dot, dot, dot. Then the, that was – let's see. That tweet came out at 10.57. The next tweet came out – oh. Exactly at 10:57. So instantly, the next very next in the same minute, Trump tweets dot dot dot. My only question is, who is our bigger enemy? Jay Powell, the head of the Fed, or Chairman Jesus, the President of China? To my knowledge, that's unprecedented to see the U.S. president, a sitting U.S. president, call the head of the Fed an enemy or imply that he's an enemy. I don't know. I'm not a historian, especially not a POTUS historian, but I don't know if that's happened, especially not in modern history, to my knowledge. Of course, the market sold off hard, hard on the news. So. Um, he went on to tweet two minutes later, our country has lost, stupidly, trillions of dollars with China over many years. They have stolen our intellectual property at a rate of hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and they want to continue. I won't let that happen, exclamation mark. We don't need China, and frankly, would be far, dot, 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 and see the next tweet, better off without them. The vast amounts of money made and stolen by China from the United States year after year for decades will and must stop, all caps. Our great American companies are hereby ordered – to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing your companies home. This is another tweet now. And making your products in the USA. 
It will be responding to China's tariffs this afternoon. This is a great opportunity for the United States. Also, I'm ordering all carriers, including FedEx, Amazon, UPS, and the post office to search for and refuse dot dot dot. Next week, all deliveries of fentanyl from China or anywhere else. Exclamation mark. Fentanyl kills 100,000 Americans a year. President uh, Xi, the Chinese president, premier, said this would stop. It didn't. Our economy, because of our gains in the last two and a half years, is much larger than that of China. We will keep it that way. Exclamation mark. So clearly, uh, the president was unhappy and he expressed those tweets and then responding later in the afternoon and the drama continues. Uh, we're saying they're better off without him and blah, blah, blah. Clearly, this is a... Let's see, what's a good word for word in this? Somebody who's not happy. So when he directly calls out the transportation companies, well, what do you think is going to happen to the IYT, which is a transportation index? Of course, it's going to fall and fall hard. The IYT is down over 3%, almost in a blink of an eye. Massive volume. When you have a chance, take a look at IYT. FedEx, FDX, down over 3.5%. Heavy volume as well. Amazon is more of a retailer, so it's got a shipping component. That was down over 3% and broke at one point below its 200-day moving average. And of course, UPS, well, Amazon's ticker before I go to UPS is AMZN, and UPS is UPS. And that was down over three and three quarters percent, over three point three and a half, let's call it over three and a half percent at one point as well. Or down over four bucks. Pulling into its 50-day moving average, a little bit stronger than both. Uh, it had a nice gap up on earnings, if, was it a few weeks ago? Yeah, about a month ago. And uh, it's been above the 50 cents UPS. FedEx has been lagging. They haven't reported yet. They usually report at the end of the quarter. And then, of course, Amazon, AMZN, is, uh, is lagging as well. It's below the 200-day or just right near the recent lows. So as you put everything together, ladies and gentlemen, the pieces of the puzzle, by the way, there's other transportation stocks as well, but he specifically called those out. So that's why I mentioned those. Irrespective of his reaction, he reacts later in the day. They go back and forth. The news all weekend will be Trump deriding the Fed, you know, making negative comments against China. Details aside, this is just another escalation in the ongoing trade war. And that, from a macro standpoint, is not a good sign for stocks. If it gets resolved and resolved in a peaceful way, that could be a big boost to the market, to both Main Street and to Wall Street, for the market and the economy. But until it's actually resolved, it continues to be that downward pressure or that you know that big cloud over the market because every time the market tries to get going, boom, some more escalation happens and the market sell off because there's a lot of uncertainty. Up next, we've got a lot more to cover, talk some stocks and sectors and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. America is talking. Investor's Edge. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Coltbaum. I'm highly recommended. You're going to feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. In case you're just joining us, I'm Adam Sarhan filling in for Gary Kay. It was a very eventful day on Wall Street today, an end of a long week. And the market gave back its gains for the week. What happened was you had a situation where you were set up nicely coming into this week. On yesterday's show, I covered, covered the fact that major indices were right below the 50. But it was a wedge into the 50, and boom, we had some bad headlines today come out with the escalation with the Trump-China trade war, and that sent markets sharply lower. Then you have a situation where now the market's pulling back off the 50 and back towards the 200 and towards support, which is August lows. So just take it easy. There's no rush. There's no need to get too heavy on the long side, the short side, or any side for that matter. And more cards need to come out of the deck, as Gary would like to say. Remember, we can't go higher until we break above the 50. We can't go lower until we take out support, which are August lows in the 200-day. Sometimes you just take it easy. There's not much to do. Now, if you want to day trade and intraday trade, all that fun stuff, so be it. Everyone's free to do whatever they want. But from an intermediate and longer-term standpoint, sometimes the market's just range-bound. You know, I spoke about it yesterday on the show. If you want, you can go to Gary Kay and listen. You have long periods where you have a big run. We had 2016, 2017, and right into early 18, a massive rally for the market. 
And then since then, the market paused. It's been moving sideways for the last year and a half, almost two years now, 18 months or so. Hasn't been easy. And that's okay. But it's also happened before. You had that in 2013. You had a big run. 2014, the market kind of stopped going up, consolidated for all of 14 and 15. And then boom, the beginning of 16 was more consolidation. And then it just took off at the end of Q1 or the middle of Q1 of 16. And boom, just blasted off. So there are times, and by the way, that, this happens multiple times throughout market history, where you get a big rally, you move multi-year rally, then you pause to consolidate the move. When you consolidate, ladies and gentlemen, you can do two things. You either move sideways or you move down. That's how markets consolidate. It doesn't matter if it's a stock, if it's gold, if it's silver, if it's corn, if it's wheat, sugar, if it's Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, Russell, it doesn't make a difference. You rally, pause, rally, pause, rally, pause, when, as long as you're in that uptrend. Remember, the consolidations are what matter. Why? Because if you do a sideways consolidation, that's healthier than if you pull back. What did I just say? If you're moving sideways after a big move up, that's healthier. It's more bullish. By healthy, I mean bullish. Then if you pull back, because the latter, when you pull back after a big rally, that usually means you have a lot of sellers and people that are selling. When you move sideways, even though this is a wide sideways range, it tells you every time the market gets down towards support, boom, buyers show up and we take off. Remember, the fourth quarter of last year was really ugly. The S&P and the NASDAQ all fell close to 20% in a few months. We're getting into the end of the year. We're still in the third quarter, so we're not quite at the fourth quarter yet. But you blink your eyes, a month is going to pass. and four or five weekends, we're going to be at the end of September. And next thing you know, we're in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying it's going to happen again where we get a big sell-off. It could. Who knows? It doesn't have to happen again. All I'm just saying is, remember this time last year, we went to the market. It was fine. A little bumpy. Up a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Powell got hawkish. Means he wanted to raise rates more than expected. Market completely sold off on that news. And then he took didn't take him long. About 90 days or so, and he did a about face a 180. And then a few months later, just last month, he cut rates. So Trump is obviously not happy with Powell's stance right now, even though he did cut rates. Trump wants the Fed to cut even more. And part of what he's doing here with China, of course, he's got his own motives. I'm not speaking on his behalf. All I'm doing is trying to intelligently connect the dots. And it's just my opinion. Everyone's free to an opinion. Is to not force the Fed's hand in a negative way, but to play his cards right. Meaning he wants to put pressure on China and he wants to do so from a position of strength. The stronger the economy is and the markets are in the U.S., the stronger and the more pressure he can put on China. And if the Fed cuts rates and continues to cut rates aggressively, that will help him and give him more ammunition to use to, against China. And as his mind's eye, or what he's doing, is he's doing what he believes is, is a good thing. He's trying to renegotiate deals and help protect the intellectual property and you know take back the money and level the playing field from a trade perspective, dot, dot, dot. Renegotiate global trade. So the intentions from him, I'm not justifying his behavior, by the way, or his actions, I'm just trying to make sense of it, and more importantly, what it means for markets, is to say, okay, if the Fed can cut rates, he has, he can, it just strengthens his hand. It's that simple. If the Fed doesn't cut rates, he can still put pressure on China, but not as much. Does that make sense? Because if the Fed keeps cutting, it's going to be a stimulative effect for both Main Street and Wall Street. And when he goes against the attack or he goes puts pressure on China, that doesn't stimulate markets, it actually takes away from markets. So let's just speak in bullish and bearish terms. Bullish the market goes up, bearish market goes down, right? So if the Fed cuts rates, that's bullish or bearish, it's bullish. When he goes and attacks China, is that bullish or bearish? It tends to have a bearish effect. So if he has a Fed that he knows in his pocket that's cutting rates and helping him into the election also, it just strengthens his hand. That's it. That's why he wants the Fed to cut rates so bad. Jay Powell, on the other hand, doesn't want to cut rates as much or as fast. He's cutting rates, sure. Because he doesn't want to go to zero or go negative or do another round of QE. Who knows? Maybe he does down the road. But for now, he doesn't see a reason to get aggressive with cutting rates. He can continue to cut rates in the future. Absolutely. Very possible. 
but aggressively cut rates the way Trump wants it, clearly he doesn't want to do that. He has his own reasons. He's not motivated the same way Trump is motivated to cut rates as aggressive and as fast. That's it. Those are the underlying dynamics that are controlling the market all year long. Those are the two big things. Coming into the beginning of this year, remember, we had people were worried about a hawkish Fed. That didn't happen. Instead, the Fed became dovish and they cut rates. So that was one big wall of worry that was removed. And the other was the trade war. And that continues to escalate. And that's where the concern is. The uncertainty around what's going to happen next. Remember, the market always looks forward. It's a forward-looking mechanism by definition. Okay, you have these, you know, an event happens. Well, what does that mean? Everybody scrambles and reacts to the news. The market's looking forward. The data that comes out, whether it's economic data, political data, geopolitical data, it doesn't make a difference. The data that happens, that hits the tape, that, that hits the wires, tells you what already happened. Even if Trump just tweets, within an instant, that now becomes part of history. The market looks forward. What does that tweet mean for us going forward? Does it add more uncertainty, less uncertainty? Earnings come out. Okay, that's great. Tell us what the company did last quarter. Not this quarter. So on and so forth. So if you can retrain your brain to move to look to the right, you mean look to the future instead of the past, use the data that comes out. I'm not saying ignore it. No, use it. But try to make sense of it and use it the right way to understand what that does to the global the environment going forward. Does it help or does it hurt? Does it add more uncertainty? Does it take away uncertainty? So that being said, it's a Obviously, take your time. There's no rush with these markets. The good news is markets aren't going anywhere. I get people all the time. We get all worked up. Like, oh, no, I have to be in there right here, right now. I need to do this. I need to do that. Dot, dot, dot. Take your time. The action right now is not good or bad or ugly or any other type of thing. It's okay at best. And the more selling that happens, the weaker it gets. But it's range bound between the 50 and the 200. 200 breaks. Market goes below it. Odd favor, lower prices follow. 50-day moving average breaks on the upside, odds favor goes higher. Until then, not much to do. Just take your time and be patient and watch those big levels. Up next, a whole lot more to cover. This is the one and only Investor's Edge, and I'm Adam Sarhan. Thank you very much for being here. You are listening to... What are you waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices. Then we spoke about the headlines, jumped into Trump's tweets, spoke about the trade war that's going on, the escalation there, about Trump's view or what he called both Powell and the premier in China. They labeled both as enemies, asking rhetorically which one's the bigger enemy, implying both are, and uh, made some sense of why all that's happening. And more importantly, what to do about it. Now I want to talk about a few things. Number one, these are high-level things too, what to do when the market sells off. When to sell. I get these questions all the time. Hey, Adam, what do you do when the market sells off? Well, if you're in an uptrend like we are now, which is 6-7% below a 52-week high, okay, not just 52-week, but a record high, one of two things are going to happen. It's either a short-term pullback. It could be steep. It could turn to a correction, but the pullback within a longer-term uptrend, or it's the end of the uptrend. I don't know what's going to happen. If I did, I'd have an island in the Caribbean or a few of them. But I know how to interact and make sense with what's happening right now. You can deal with probabilities. That's how I navigate the unknown. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody has a crystal ball. But people do very, very well in this business. And the way they do it is by navigating the unknown and making intelligent 
risk-adjusted return or decisions based on risk-adjusted inputs. So they make decisions based on risk versus reward. That's what it means in English. Should I cross the street or get on an airplane? Well, if I cross the street, what are the odds of a car hitting me? Well, if I look to the right, look to the left, and there's no cars coming, it's probably going to be close to zero. I'm going to cross the street. If it's a really busy street and I blindfold myself when I cross it, it's pretty stupid. You can get hit by a car. High risk, low reward if it's a busy street and you're blindfolded crossing. So you don't put the trade on. If you look both ways and it's a dead street, there's no cars on it, and you want to cross, it's pretty safe. Low risk, high reward. Get to the other side, that's where you want to go, boom. Getting on an airplane, people are scared about flying. Well, what are the probabilities of a plane crashing the next time you're on it? Pretty low. Low risk, high reward, you get to your destination. So that's how decisions are made. There's obviously elements of risk inherent with everything we do. Everything. You can't freeze up. The key is to be able to make great decisions under pressure. And just make great decisions, period. And all you can do to make a great decision is by understand what's happening and plan for it. So you're not caught off guard when it does happen. Remember, there's only two things that can happen right now. This is a pullback slash correction in a broader uptrend, or it's the end of the bull market. That simple. When the market's selling off like this, the first thing I do is I build my watch list. And I want to see the strongest stocks in the market. And I can do that by looking at strong relative strength and see which ones are not falling. Which ones don't budge when the market sells off. It's a great way to find leading stocks. Great way. The other thing I do is I'm patient with my winners. Some of my stocks that I own are acting very well. They're barely moving, barely budging. And the other ones that are not acting well, I sell them when I get out. No questions asked. Why? Because before the market even opens every week, I know exactly where I'm going to exit. I know exactly where I'm going to get out if I'm wrong. So let me dive a little deeper. After you enter, there's only three things the market can do, right? It can go up, it can go down, or it can go sideways. That's it. Market, stock, it doesn't matter. I plan for all three. So before I get in, I know I'm going to get out. I know how much I'm going to risk if I'm wrong. By the way, if you want help with any of this, you can go to adamsarhan.com. That's S-A-R-H-A-N. And get in touch. I'm happy to help. You can also go to chartyourtrade.com if you want to sign up to um, for coaching services or check out some of the other things that understand my thinking more often. There's a lot of free blog posts there as well and a lot of educational content. But the key, ladies and gentlemen, is to be in control. Make intelligent decisions with your money. And you do so by simply analyzing risk versus reward and planning. Because if you don't plan, you're constantly in a state of looking in the rearview mirror. You can't drive a car by looking backwards. The market's always moving forward. Time is always passing. Always, no matter what. Look forward. Everybody, including myself, the old days, look backwards. You know, I separate things into two camps. There's the smart money and the dumb money. That's what they say. So I'm in the process of building this thing called the smart money circle, which I'll get to probably later in the show. Next time I, not later, my next time here, where I'll announce it and give you some places where you can go sign up for it. But there's rules to money. There's rules to being successful in the market. It's not rocket science, but there's basic rules. Understand risk reward. Make smart decisions. Plan. Trade your plan. Follow your plan. Not enough to plan for it. When bullets are flying, be ready. Act. Eight your positions if you're a trader. Don't marry them. There's nothing wrong with selling a weak position. It's not a failure. The other one, big one, is make rational decisions, not emotional ones. Your self-worth, how you feel about yourself should have zero, zero relevance on how you're trading. But most people get bummed out when they lose and they're happy when they win. That's right. I go through and I systematically break down all of those emotional blocks because that causes me to make emotional decisions and all of you as well, not rational ones. I'm not saying being a robot. No. But just think ahead. And then make smart decisions. So wrapping everything up, the market, big sell-off today on Wall Street. Not ideal. See what happens next week. Thank you all for being here and have a fantastic weekend. 
This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash s-t-o-o-l-a-n-d-e-r.